we've been setting these classifiers for years and everyone just habitually does it because they just copy it from the last project that they had. And it's like, oh yeah, I got to add that new classifier for the new Python version or something. And no one ever stops to think about, well, why am I doing this, right? Th this is actually one of the challenges in packaging overall, right? Is how do you convince people to stop and think and change things? Welcome to Test and Code. Today on Test and Code, I uh, I have Brett Cannon back. I love having Brett Cannon on because he's awesome. So, hi, Brett. Hi, Brian. And Brett loves being on this podcast, so it <laughs> works out both ways. What I did want to talk about is um, was something that's always perplexed me, and I'm like, let's just ask somebody. Uh, is the Trove classifiers, they're yes. weird. Yes. <laughs> um, and like normally, there's like I said, there's two times I care about Trove classifiers. It's only really one. Um, so it's just when I'm like creating a new package and I'm trying to trying to decide what Trove classifiers I need to put in, and also Trove. Where did Trove? I don't even know what Trove means. So I didn't either until you asked me to come on to this podcast and potentially talk about this topic. So I'd research it myself. Um, it turns out around the time when packaging was starting up in Python <clears throat> and disutils and such, there was a project called Trove by Eric Raymond, who at the time was someone involved with Python development. And his Trove project was trying to be, I think, a cross-language packaging system. And he defined these classifiers for metadata for that project. And it looked like we basically just took the idea. I don't know if Eric specifically suggested it or how it ended up in Python's packaging world, but that's the impetus of where those came from and why they're called Trove classifiers, because they're from the project Trove. OK. Interesting. Well, what was? Do you know why what the word means or no? Okay. No idea. Huh. Um I, I I'm assuming like a trove of data, like I mean oh. trove, just a big collection of stuff, right? So that's okay. my guess. You're co classifying the stuff. <laughs> mm -hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Um and then so he Eric Raymond uh he wrote that cathedral book, right? Or is that somebody else? No, that's Eric S. Raymond. That's, yeah, Cathedral in the Bazaar. Okay. That's what he's most well-known for at this point, uh, other than some other controversial things he has said and <laughs> done. I, I mean, I, I read um, I read the Cathedral in Bazaar a long time ago, um, and it, it was longer than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's an interesting read about it, but it's 241 pages. It's a kind of book. It's a book, yeah. Yeah. But um, I don't. I haven't read it in a long time, so I'm not sure how well it holds up. But I, I actually never read it myself. <laughs> I know the summary of how it was supposed to be the book that helped introduce the concept of open source and its benefits and stuff. But I have no clue if it's aged well or not. Yeah. But anyway, uh, okay. So back to classifiers. So what mm -hmm. happens is when 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 you it's, now looking back in, I'm looking at pyproject.toml based projects a lot and. Mm -hmm. We're trimming down the sort of stuff, and this the classifiers used to show up in my setup.py file. Right, I don't use that anymore. Um, and and then 
I think you could specify them in the .cfg or something. I think you can, but I honestly don't know. Anyway, but so no, uh, all of my stuff moved to pyproject.toml. Mm-hmm. Um, and but still, and and I most of the stuff still makes sense, but you still have this classifier section. I don't think it's required though. Um, no, it's just, not. Okay, is it bad form to leave it out or? Well, so funny enough, you mentioned this with PyProject.Tumble. Uh, Thomas Kloiber, the creator of Flit, actually, while we were writing PEP 621, which introduced project metadata into PyProject.Tumble, he actually advocated for dropping classifiers uh, as part okay. of that PEP. But when we were authoring that, we consciously made the decision to not try to innovate for PyProject.Tumble. Right. We wanted to just use it as a way to translate the metadata that you auto-generate for wheels and such okay. um, in that metadata file or the <clears throat> package-info file if you happen to have that in your SDIS. But that's a whole other conversation. Anyway, um, we wanted to just basically help do a translation of what ends up as a static metadata in your wheels as a way that a human being could write it down in a tumble file because the metadata file formats actually email headers, so it's not really conducive to human beings. And so we decided not to innovate and not introduce new fields beyond dynamic. That was the only uh, kind yeah. of innovation. Otherwise, it was more just how do we translate data from one format to another. So the actual idea of not even having them around was brought up, and we just decided that's a separate discussion. Um, they are. They do feel a little dated. I will say more or less these days, the, th- the, the things people typically use them for, and to be clear, <clears throat> This all dates back to the disutil days and when disutils was introduced. Like this predates PyPI, right? So you have to understand that uh, things we've added to metadata for projects uh, postdate this stuff. So there's some habits I think we all have that really are not necess- not necessary anymore. Okay. Um, but the key thing has historically been, uh, and the, honestly, the most important piece you can specify in there is your license. Uh, what open source license or closed source license if it happens to be that you happen to use in there. There's also a classifier to tell PyPI not to accidentally upload this. Uh, I can't yeah, the private. The, the private one, exactly. Yeah. So if you set that, uh, Twine and uh, other tools should prevent you from uploading it to PyPI so you don't accidentally leak your project, your company's private code. Okay. Um, there are other little ones that are custom, like being able to specify that it is a PyTest plugin so that you can easily search in PyPI for all the PyTest plugins because you can just look at all the projects that have that classifier. Yeah, so that's the, the framework. That's the framework one. Although it's not a consistent naming scheme. Um, I think it was Piper on Twitter pointed out that there's some discrepancy between like the way Django does it and the way PyTest has it. And there's a, there's like two different like subcategories because uh, uh, for anyone who's looked at the classifiers, their they're namespace, right? Like, Everything is separated by a double colon, but it's like framework, web, Django, and such, right? So I think some of the way those get nested is not consistent, Um, mainly because those exist because some project just asked, can I have a classifier named this for this reason? Historically, people have just gone, okay. (laughs) Uh, The last one we've all done as a community consistently is uh, Python version support. And that was way more important kind of back in the two to three transition because that was the easiest way to tell for project support Python 2 or 3. 
Uh, also because projects have not historically been very good about setting their requires Python field. But now that projects have gotten way better about that, it's probably not as needed anymore, right? Because if you go to PyPI, you just look, it'll say requires Python you know, right there. So you can kind of tell, and PIP uses requires Python now. So it's way easier to rely on that piece of metadata than on the classifiers. But before PIP used it, and it was really leaned on by the community, the classifiers were the only way to tell what versions of Python a project actually supported. Okay. Um, no one's done a big push to say, hey, why don't we stop specifying the Python support in the classifier? But honestly, we could probably start doing that because as long as you specify your requires Python, because that's way more expressive um, because you can forward, say, I expect to be supportive of like Python 3.11 before it comes out versus, well, yeah. what's accurate? The requires Python that just says greater than, greater than or equals to 3.7 or the classifiers which say i support 37 38 39 310 and 311 comes out and it's like well does it support 311 or not and it's like well pip's gonna install it assuming it does because you said greater than or equal to 37 classifiers did but pip's not reading that so my guess is we can probably move away from that yeah the license license is the really key thing like is I know it because they specify it other ways you you include the file, right? Yeah. But how do you programmatically tell that that's MIT? Okay. Right. Like if you look the way, if you open like a README in GitHub or or open a license in GitHub, it has to guess. But if you can programmatically specify the license, it's way easier and less risk of someone using a slightly different format of the license and getting it wrong. So it's way easier for a project to say like, hey, here's the license text, but I'm declaring it as MIT. So you don't have to try to infer from the way the text is written that it is that, right? And this becomes important for companies specifically who are trying to say like GPL clean or at least to know the ramifications of taking that dependency, right? For viral licenses such as GPL. If okay. You typically want to potentially avoid those things for a private company. So it's like, is this MIT or not? Or is, or is it GPL? I don't know. Oh, okay, I have to now go read the license versus, oh, it clearly defines MIT and the classifiers, then I don't even have to read the license. I have to keep it, don't get me wrong, but programmatically you can verify that anything you're pulling down works. And I, large, all the large companies I'm aware of have tools in place to actually read those when, you, when they download the copy of the source code for their internal repos and verify that, okay, we are not polluting our license cleanliness with GPL code that would suddenly force us, or AGPL, to suddenly open source everything that we have. Yeah. So the so if I if it's like an internal project and I'm not open sourcing it, um, yeah, you're fine. Well, no, but like, should I? There's like an other proprietary license. Yeah. Should I set that? Oh. It's up to you. If you don't have internal tooling that cares, then there's no. Honestly, the real key one is private. Don't upload that 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 truck classifier. Yeah. Okay. I mean, potentially, I could, I can store it on GitHub and put it on PyPI and still not make it open source. Oh, right. totally! You can totally put whatever license you want on that stuff on PyPI. Like, there is stuff up there, I believe, that requires a license to actually use. So, <laughs> <clears throat> and it's just the license says, if you use this, please send me money, and that's fine. If PyPI does not, to my knowledge, have any restrictions in terms of what kind of, but it also doesn't collect there. any. So, I mean, you know. 
Yeah, it, it, it'd probably be based purely on goodwill slash honesty, just because if you use it and you don't pay for the license, you are going to get potentially sued over it. So, yeah, I, th- I thought I think it's interesting that University of Illinois has its own license. Yeah, well, I mean, Python has its own license, too. Right, like okay. PSF license is not a standard license for most people, and honestly, the PSF license is the way it is only due to historical reasons. It's if we were to start Python again today, we'd probably just pick MIT and be done with it. But well, yeah, there's the Python Software Foundation license, and a couple under that is the Rico source code for public license. I don't Rico know camera. what the heck that is. Rico's a camera brand, so that's odd. <laughs> oh, that can oh, or oh, sorry, R I C O H, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Some people pick it just because Python's license is it's Python's license. I totally do not use the PSF license for anything. It is entirely just, just for me. Python. Okay. And it has historical significance as to why it is. It's kind of a stack of licenses. Okay. And so you can you can follow the history actually of where Guido worked kind of up to a certain <laughs> point based on who's listed in that license. But otherwise no one else beyond the C Python project should be using the PSF license. Okay. So, um, but I'll, the license actually, if I'm using something like, well, the two two projects I'm using a lot lately is Flit and Hatch. Mm-hmm. Um, and they both will fill this, when you do an init or something, it'll fill in, if you let it fill in the, your default project tumble, it fills yep. this in for you. If, if it's, if it, it gives you a, like a few options or something and you pick one yep. and it'll fill that in. Um, and actually hatch last time I tried it, it fills in a bunch of classifiers mm-hmm. that st- stuff, but the, so, okay. So license, uh, whether or not you want it private, but if you, if you, if you're doing private, you don't really need anything else. Um, no. um, and then, uh, Python version support would be good, but okay. So the Python version support is, so should I, if I'm intending, so this is a tough one. So a lot of stuff is. is three, seven and above. I can't really say if I could say, should I say Python three or should I say th- list e three, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Uh, that, that's the tricky question here. And I don't okay. think it, anyone's ever had a good answer. The way I historically did it was I used requires Python to specify the right thing so that pip would do the install but then only when i verified a project supported a python version did i add it or remove it from the classifier but i think we've all come across multiple projects that have done a release and just totally forgot to update the classifiers because it's just sitting over there on the side in their package metadata and it's not something they think they need to update other than the version number so i don't know how useful that really is anymore because i just don't think enough people consciously just think about it right Classifiers are usually something people think, oh, I'll set once and I'm done. And the only thing I have to tweak each release is requires Python potentially and the version number. And that's it. Everything else, everyone kind of just writes once and just ignores. So I don't know how useful it really is anymore. It might be time to, as a community, think it through and decide, do we care about Python version classifiers anymore and just say everyone just needs to specify requires Python be done with it. But the key point is, PyPad does not require you to specify requires Python to my knowledge. So if you forget that, then what version am I using? (laughs) Well, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, The the other thing is there's other programming languages there. It's not just Python under that thing. You've got like R and SQL. SQL? That's weird. Um, 
As I said, it came from the Trove project, so it could have been semi-extensive, and then things yeah. have just been added over time as people request them. Yeah, but I can see like one that's interesting is Rust. Is Rust there? Rust is there. Um, so if I if it's something that's built with Python and Rust, it may make sense to have both of those, I guess, if people are looking for it. Um, yeah, I mean, depending on how thorough people are using this information, right? Like the question is, is how is this information being consumed? Is it by a human being that's reading this package going, oh, okay, if I build this from source, I will need the Rust yeah. tool chain. Versus wheels, who cares? I don't care it was written in C or Rust or anything else, or even Fortran, as long as I have a wheel that I can load in my Python interpreter. I'm good. I don't care. Yeah. So it, that really depends on whether who's reading it and why. Like if, you, if people, human beings are reading it, that's great. If someone has some interesting tooling where it's going like, okay, I support these languages. I can't download a package source distribution and compile it because I only support these languages in my restricted build pipeline then maybe that could get some use out of it as well but once again, okay. it's a question of who's using it for what purpose the other place that i that you potentially could use it, mm -hmm. it, it non-programmatically is on pypi.org yep so if i search for but you have to mm -hmm. search for something first as far as i can tell i can't find the classifiers without it so if i search for like blob or something um, there I, is a page on PyPI. I don't remember the exact URL. It might literally be PyPI.org slash classifiers or something. There is a page that lists all the classifiers and you can click on them too. Oh, you click on those and there. then it, oh, then it pre-populates the classifier with an empty search. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So you can, uh, you can, and okay, so that's the other way. So I could, what what are some, it, it doesn't list everything though. It's got, well, maybe it does. It's got framework. So development status, that's one. How how important is that? Are people using that? Some do, yeah. I mean, once again, it's I don't know how much of this has happened and how much of this is people are actually getting use out of this information. Um, I mean, so, I would... It kind of depends on what kind of versioning scheme you're using, right? Like, if you're consistent using, like, A for alpha and B for beta and RC for release candidates and using that as a way to kind of signal that, oh, this is alpha quality or this is experimental or something yeah then perhaps it's not necessary but if you're using calver and you have no way to necessarily say this is experimental don't rely on it yeah i'm just doing a release that does change things as well so i have seen people use that to basically signal yeah this this is not stable this is not production ready i i use this at your own risk i'm kind of playing or just tossing something up on pypi for interest or fun don't rely on this yet but once again, I don't know how often people actually look at those classifiers to know whether or not the community actually is deriving benefit from it or if it's just habitual. Yeah. We all set it if uh, before you hit version one and then we delete it if we, if we remember. And so then uh, for me, I probably would forget to use this at all, except for two times, right? I, I think I have used it before to think, you know, this project actually, I'm not going to, I'm committed to maintaining it. So, I'll go ahead and add the production stable uh, on yep. on a project. And then I guess if I was really done with it and nobody else wanted to take it over, I might add the inactive just to be nice. Um, yep. Um, but I've personally but, done that one. Uh, the the others, There's a lot of other stuff that just seems weird, like uh, operating system. Um, mm -hmm. we, we have other mechanisms in place to say whether or not it works on that. 
Yeah, we do now. Once again, remember how old this is, right? This all predates wheels and <laughs> hell, it predates source distributions, right? So okay. you got to remember how old this all is. And environment is weird. Um, uh, that's just bizarre. Uh, that's yeah. also kind of uh, orthogonal to operating system. It's sort mm-hmm. of it's confusing. Uh, intended audience. Um, I guess I have uh, used that before, but I don't know why. Intended intended audience. I but like I've put things like developers. Yep. <laughs> but, but like it's a pipe. It's a Python package. It's every everything's for developers. But yeah, I know. It, it, once again, <clears throat> a lot of this was just inherited from Trove, and then okay. it's just kept around. So. I think really the key question in all this is what does the community want to do? Where does the community derive benefit? And I don't have an answer. So I'll be curious to see what the reaction you get from this podcast episode is. Like, do people think we should stop specifying the Python version and just rely on requires Python and just push projects to specify that? Do people look at the status? Like, do people get value out of that or not? Do people care about what languages are there that could require certain tool chains installed for your source distribution to compile the wheel. Do people care about platform if you only push up an SDIS? Because that's the other thing, right? Like, well, you and I are big proponents of everyone pushing up wheels. Not everyone does that. So oh, okay. if they only push up a source distribution, how are you supposed to know what operating systems it's compatible with, right? Because that's the right. other thing. It's kind of filling in gaps there. Okay. Because at least with Python versions, we have a requires Python fallback or honestly a more primary piece of information that's almost a secondary thing that's just not can be interpreted as the official i've tested it stuff versus not yeah but os there is no equivalent in the metadata it's only what your wheel ends up producing and getting added as the platform part of the of the uh triple the tech triple but estis source distributions don't have that kind of metadata there is no place specifically really for that in the metadata so how do you tell project or people this only works with windows or this does work with windows and mac and linux or what have you okay now i would argue don't worry about it you should be pushing wheels but and you need i I would expect most people either in the readme specify what os's it works with or you can look at the wheels and go like well this project obviously supports this os because they have a wheel so if it doesn't then i'm just going to try it and maybe i'll be lucky but once again programmatically i don't know how people are using this or how human beings are reading these classifiers so So i'm serious i will be very interested to see what response you get from these open questions we have and see what the community seems to think we should move okay so i guess um my my druthers i think um well a a couple weirdnesses that i've discovered is the the case sensitivity of it is Mm -hmm. interesting and frustrating like I've at, and also you don't get an error. So I've uh, put pytest plugins together and put them up, mm-hmm. and I forgot to capitalize pytest because I'm a good pytest user and never capitalize pytest. Um, but it has to be it, in the classifier. It has to be capitalized, or else it will, it won't get listed. Right. Um, which is weird. Um, but oh well. Uh, but the uh, so I I guess the the. F- I still think I think framework is weird. I think mm-hmm. that we have naming conventions around stuff, but I think we do at this point, right? Like pretty much every PyTest plugin is going to be PyTest dash. Yeah, and pretty much everything for Django is Django dash at this point. So it's and, and tons of people forget. Over. Like mm-hmm. so, for I, I, like Hypothesis also has PyTest plugin part of it, 
does it list PyTest as a, as part of its in its classifier? I don't know. Uh, should it? I'm not sure. Um, topic seems weird. I think we could get rid of topic. Um, like it's going to be in the name, and if you can't search for it well with the, by the name or the contents, it seems to odd. Be, to be honest, I, I think we're getting to the point now where we probably should be working towards more structured metadata for anything that we consider critical. That yeah. classifiers have historically done in Hunts White Thomas. Let's just get rid of that. So uh, there is actually an open PEP uh, to specify in the metadata the um, the type of license included in for okay. the project um, using something yeah. called um, SPDX expressions. It's a standard on how to basically say, "Oh, this project's MIT," or "This project's MIT," or um, BSD clause three or whatever, because you know some of those projects have like multiple have you can choose the license um i've been on vacation so i don't know where that stands i think there's uh but it's being worked on actively uh in the pep and then i'm actually the pep delegate for it so once it's ready for me to review i'll review it and then eventually that'll get in and we'll have a more structured way to specify the um the licensing metadata which at that point the really critical thing that is important for classifiers won't be necessary. And we can honestly, once again, as a community, start having a conversation about what are people using here? Like, cause once again, if you use standard versioning, right? Alpha, beta, AVs, yeah. you don't even need the, the status. So really at that point, it's just whether it's inactive or not. And hopefully you'd just, you'd say that in the readme, like, Hey, this is not happening anymore. So yeah. maybe yeah, at he- some point, maybe it's, maybe classifiers are on their way out. One of the interesting parts here is um, the natural language. That's pro- mm-hmm. was, that's one that I like. If you there's actually stuff in some of these. Some of them are empty though. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, is there another way? Like, could you could we do metadata? Some other metadata to specify the language being used in the code or? Uh, potentially, I don't know. Once again, the question is how useful is that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm glad we had this talk because I, I, (laughs) because my thoughts are, I don't use this at all. Um, and, and I also like was looking at, so, uh, PyTest has its own list of, uh, plugins Mm -hmm. and it just looks for PyTest dash something. Um, and and that 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 number is way bigger than the ones that use the PyTest framework classifier. So I think a lot of those plugins don't use that, um, yeah. which is interesting because you don't have to, right? So yeah, I think this conversation is very illustrative of how much cargo culting we all do around packaging, right? Like we've been setting these classifiers for years, and everyone just has, habitually does it because they just copy it from the last project that they yeah. had. And it's like, oh, yeah, I got to add that new classifier for the new Python version or something. And no one ever stops to think about, well, why am I doing this, right? This, this is actually one of the challenges in packaging overall, right, is how do you convince people to stop and think and change things, right? Moving to pyproject.toml, it takes effort, right? Thinking, thinking about what classifiers do I actually want to bother with takes effort. Stopping and literally asking the question, why am I even doing this? Maybe we as a community should not be bothering anymore is a question to have. But it takes someone like you to literally just go have that question and like, yeah, let's let's rethink this. And that's probably the start of this conversation. So let's uh let's take it further out of classifiers because sure. in in the 
actually this since I asked you to come on to talk about classifiers, uh -huh. my questions have gotten larger because okay. I was surprised how much I can get away with of not putting in the Pi Project Automal. Mm -hmm. There's not very much required anymore. Oh, mm -mm. uh, it's like, is it? It's like name. Is there anything else required? Um, uh, name, version. Although, so to be very clear here, there's a difference between what has to be in PyProject.toml and what has to end up in the metadata that ends up in a wheel, right? So okay. Py, what you write in PyProject.toml is the human being writing down what the metadata is. The stuff that ends up in the metadata file in a wheel is what PIP and software needs access to. So the key thing here is you have to have the name specified you have to have the version somehow specified. Now you can set that as dynamic, right? Like if you use right. sort of tools NCM or something yeah. to calculate it, right? Same with Flit, right? Like if you use the Dunder version in your um, top level, whether it's Dunder or Net or the actual module as the way to specify the uh, version, yeah. right? You can set that as dynamic, but you have to have it set somewhere. It has to either be set in dynamic or it has to be set uh, as a static version in the PyProject.toml itself uh, and the name. And technically, at the metadata level, you get to specify the metadata version, right? So um, all the tools like pip and such know how to read that file and know what should or shouldn't be there and how to interpret that data. But that's okay. actually it. You don't but have that, to specify anything else. The metadata version is something I don't write down. No, that's that's done by your uh, build tool. So okay. whether that's Flit or Hatch, they'll or, set that or for setup you. tools or setup tools, and yeah. or any tool that you've set up in the build system yeah. section of your PyProject.toml, they'll take care of setting that information because that's okay. going to be the thing that the the tool that makes your wheel probably that's their problem. And am I imagining something, or was email used to be required? Did email used to like did you didn't you used to ha like in setup days in setup.py days? Didn't you have to put in your name and email? For a, uh, uh, you you do when you upload uh, to PyPI, and that's probably true back before we started to have like uh, upload uh, having like tokens for uploading and stuff. But that's different than what's required. Period by the specs and for wheels, right? Like the name and the version is a minimum just to create a wheel and have valid metadata in your project. Oh. Whether PyPI requires that is different. Right, right. PyPI needs some way to associate that you're the do person doing the upload and to the account and all that. But even then, now they can probably do the association without having anything else because you'll have you'll generate a token or you'll upload logged into your account. Right. Right. I mean, you you can't upload without being logged in. So yeah, so that's not really necessary potential anymore, probably either by PyPI. Yeah, uh, because I I've started not putting email in there because I don't like it in my source code. It just seems weird. Um, oh yeah, my, mine's been out there for so long. I don't even worry about it anymore. <laughs> but yeah, I, I get why no one else would want to bother. But yeah, like my Python.org email address is plastered all over the internet for so long. I'm on every spam list possible. So yeah, uh, it doesn't matter for me. Okay. <laughs> um, but, but I think it's a great thing because it, it, it used to. All of it's a decision now of like what you want to put in there because it's useful to you. Mm -hmm. um, that's way better than you have to, there's so much stuff that you have to put in that you may as well just copy it from somewhere and not worry about it. And yeah. 
and like the so like the classifiers i'm i'm curious now if more and more people use i, w- I wonder how many people use flit or hatch or something to to generate their initial pi project autumnal and then never touch the classifiers ever again um yeah. it's pr- probably most people because you don't use it so yeah anyway. so as, as i said I, i'm really curious to see the response you get from this and what people start to think and then maybe we'd start talking to projects about you know why don't you just not set it anymore it's just gonna get stale <laughs> or maybe people, no, i get so much use out of it please don't stop setting it i really don't know how people are going to go on this um, okay yeah well I'm, I'm curious as well so okay um well i guess that's really all i had all the questions i have for you so thanks brett yeah anytime did you have any other questions <laughs> i don't no okay yeah thanks you're welcome